So I run a blog that I have kept up with for the past couple years. It's called Mimirlide. And I started it for a group of people that I used to work with when I first got into heathenism and Asatru. And I, I don't like the format of a blog because I don't I don't feel like I get the same emotion out of writing as I do with talking. I would rather start a podcast so I can you know, start working with other people and start my group back up because I feel like it's a little easier to just turn on a podcast and, you know, rather than having to sit down and read you know, a thousand page or a thousand word, fifteen hundred word. Uh, post, you know, just it's quicker. You can set it down and just have it as background noise, whatever. So my goal is to restart my blog and convert everything that I've done already over into podcasts. So this is my first podcast. Yeah, it's probably going to be pretty rough. No lie, I'm not very good at this. I'm you know, I'm just talking about my life and, you know, if it takes off, that's going to be dope. But I don't, I don't know. I don't know how it's going to work out. I just think that I'd rather grow my community, you know, in my area or, you know, grow my community of people I can talk to and associate with around the country. Um, but... I was kind of wanting to touch on something that I don't really hear about very often. You know, um, is why do people struggle when they still feel, you know, really like a solid connection to the gods? And I've been thinking about that a lot over the past week, over the past month, because I'm in the transition right now where I'm leaving the military and nine months before I left I sent my family home so they could start you know getting everything ready for me to come home and I could break down the house without them having to deal with the struggle of you know moving in the army and not having to deal with the struggle of you know breaking down the house and all of that it's gonna save us money so it's it's a positive and it's something that's gonna help us in the long run. But on the same hand, you know, being without your family for a long period of time, for nine months, you know, nine months at a time, it, you know, it kind of does get rough. So I've been kind of missing my family and I've had, we've had a lot of stuff going on since they've been gone. I literally, I'm doing this on a phone I got yesterday because my phone just quit working out of nowhere. You know, I had a lot of stuff going on. I stabbed myself two days ago because I'm an idiot. I had to fix that. And every time something like this has happened, it makes me realize something about myself that I don't want to admit 
or that I'm having trouble admitting, you know? And I feel like that, that alone is worth the struggle that I put into it. You know, I don't like to admit how much I rely on my phone because I don't like technology. I don't trust technology. I think that technology and that social media is going to be the downfall of, you know, of humanity. I think people live their lives online and I think that people don't understand the real world anymore. They don't understand the physical world anymore the way that our ancestors did when they actually lived in it, you know? And we're moving into an entirely digital world. And yeah, that does scare me a little bit because when my, when my phone crashed, I realized that that's the only way that I talk to, you know, my kid, my wife, my, my dad, my mom, you know, all these people that I talk to on a very regular basis all revolve around me having my phone. You know, my job requires me to have my phone in case something happens and I've got to get, you know, they've got to get a hold of me for some kind of emergency. And, you know, I, I don't like to admit it, but yesterday, like, when I realized my phone wasn't working, it, I panicked. And I don't, I, I try not to panic very often. I, you know, I do, I'm human. I'm not as strong as I would like to be, but I'm not as weak as a lot of people think I am. And it caught me off guard how much I was panicked. And when I called my wife and told her that I had to get a new phone, you know, it, it hit me really hard. You know, because I couldn't, it was like for a little, for a little while, I couldn't take care of myself and I couldn't talk to people and I couldn't, like, I couldn't, I didn't know if something was going on and, you know, at that point your mind starts to wander and you get a bunch of stupid thoughts that, you know, that don't even make sense. And I really questioned how much I need my phone and how much I need to step away from my phone. You know, how much I need to spend a day with the TV off. You know, because when you, when you, when you lose track of days because of, you know, the, the small things you're doing, because of, you know, video games for me, movies for people, TV shows, when you sit down and you neglect the things that are important, keeping your house clean, keeping yourself, you know, keeping yourself in order, going to the gym, making sure that you know, you're physically strong, you know, taking time to meditate, making sure you're mentally strong, and giving the gods their respect throughout the day. It's... It, that's when it becomes a problem, you know? And I'm realizing that after, you know, what happened, I'm realizing that I have a problem. So, I'm gonna be taking a step back. I'm gonna be, you know, shutting down my, my TV, packing it up, 
and I'm going to focus a lot more on, you know, on finding myself again, on getting out in nature, on, you know, on my studies again, because you know, I haven't done a po- I haven't done a uh, blog in you know, months because I haven't I haven't felt anything. I haven't felt that drive, and it's probably because I'm disconnected. Um, and it was it was one of those things where it really hit me in the face. And that was the same thing when I stabbed myself, because you know, it was a dumb situation, and I was trying to cut up some meat for dinner. And when I did, I hit a frozen part of the beef and the knife angled up, went into my hand and went through my pinky. And you know, I, I've known it was a lie, but in the back of my head, it scared me because I've been told that I have a blood aversion. And I know that's not true. There's, there, there have been many situations where I deal with blood on a very regular basis. You know, I, it's never bothered me. It's never been an issue. And when I was told that in the back of my mind, it made me think, okay, what if you're wrong? What if, you know, this is right, you know, your doctor's right, and what if you're wrong? And it's, it's always weighed on me. It's always made me think, you know, maybe I'm not, maybe I don't really know who I am. Or maybe I'm just scared to admit that I have a problem with this. And, you know, I'm sitting in my kitchen pouring blood and the first thought in my mind is, oh shit, I'm gonna bleed on my shirt and I don't want to do laundry today, you know? So I I bandage it up, I do the best that I can to get some gauze on it, because I've got, you know, I've got medical supplies all over my house. And I bandage it up and I take care of it. I call my brother so I can drive to the hospital in case anything happens, because I'm still thinking, you know, you have a blood aversion. You, you know, you could pass out at any second. And I drive to the hospital, talking to my brother, bullshitting, I get to the hospital, you know, it's COVID time. I realize I don't have my mask and, you know, all the nurses are standing at the door staring at me. So I'm like, you know what? I'm like, this isn't even worth it. You know, if, if it's that bad, like I'll go home and take care of it myself. Like I can do stitches. I can super glue it worst case scenario. Like that's how I used to always do it before I had insurance. So I'm just like, you know what? I'm going to check it. If it's still bleeding, you know, I'll go in. If it's not, I'm headed home. I open it up, there's no blood. I'm looking at my hand. I'm looking all the way down to the bone in my finger. You know, I'm looking at the gauze, it's just drenched in blood. And it's like, it, it had no effect on me at all. And it didn't, it didn't trigger anything in my head that said, oh, you should panic now. It didn't trigger anything that that these doctors have told me like this is gonna happen every time you know every time you see blood you're gonna you're gonna get panicked your heart's gonna race you're gonna get lightheaded you're gonna pass out you're gonna have seizures you're gonna have all of these things happen and nothing happened 
and it's been consistent. It's been like over over time it's it's slowly proven that it's not the case. And I feel like this was the final nail in the coffin to where I am confident now that that's not what the issue is and I need to look in other avenues. And it's you know it's kind of scary a little bit. I'm not going to lie because the other avenues are not much better than that one was, but at least then I'm not, you know, I see it as a coward. But I I'm not that I don't have that problem. And that's something I don't know why it messed with me as much as it did, but it did. Thinking that, you know, maybe I could have, you know, a blood aversion when, you know, I did a blood sacrifice at my hand fasting. And I did, you know, I done I've used blood for, you know, a couple of rituals that I do that I've done. And it's and I don't know why it had such an effect on me. But I don't know. It's I I feel like struggle is either showing you your weakness or showing you your strengths. And every time we struggle, you know, whether it's a situation that we can control or whether it's a situation that we've been kind of forced into, you have to take everything that's going on and you have to put some kind of perspective on it. You know, I I had a situation where a guy came up to me who was, you know, he was on drugs. He's obviously not in a very, you know, calm mindset. And he walked up to me and I I had a gun on me. And it would have been really easy for this guy who was being, you know, super aggressive on drugs, you know, already assaulted somebody, already put his hands on somebody, already, you know, had been proven to be aggressive and he's heading towards me. It would have been really easy to just pull it out and, you know, and discharge. But I didn't want to do that. You know, I didn't want to end this guy's life over something stupid. So I chose to just stand my ground. And, you know, I know I know a little bit about how to take care of myself. So I wasn't it wasn't as crazy as I thought it would be in the moment. And it was really weird because I normally don't get nervous until situations happen. You know, when I was you know, when I first rode bulls, I was on my bucket list, so I rode bulls one time. When I first, when I rode my first bull, I never got nervous until the chute opened, you know? I would, I was talking to the bull, I was, you know, I was petting his head, we were cutting up, we were having a good time, he was my best friend. And then it's like, right when the gate opened, I'm like, okay, this is real, right? And then you, you sink your spurs in and you kind of you know, hold on. But 
when that happened, I didn't have time to react. I didn't have time to panic. I didn't have time to, you know, to think, oh, what am I going to do now? You know, he starts, this guy starts walking towards me after, you know, he just slammed somebody into a wall and he starts walking towards me and I just stand my ground and he takes his shirt off. He throws it on the ground. And I thought, okay, if this is, if this is how you want to deal with it, we can deal with it. We can deal with it like that. And he starts walking towards me, starts walking around me, his hands covered in blood because he punched the window out of his car. And I'm just, I'm thinking like, what's this guy going to do? You know, like he's, he's walking up to me and he's just stopped about maybe a foot away. and He's just staring me down and I'm staring him down and everything is just kind of standing still for a little bit, you know? And we're just like locked eyes in a little Mexican standoff and no one's doing anything. And the next thing that I know, he says, hey, my, uh, I need to get a hold of my mom, my wife's in trouble. I'm like, okay, you know, we can work from there. You need to sit down. And he says, no, 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 I can't sit down. I'm like, dude, I'm not talking to you until you sit down. Sit down so we can calm, so we can calm down and have an actual conversation. And he sat down. We had an actual conversation until the police showed up. And everything was calmed down. And there was no need for any kind of force. You know, there was no need to, you know, to cause any problems that, you know, realistically... Uh, you know, I, I'm not saying I would have been, but I could have seen being justified in it and justified in using that force. But I feel like it takes a lot more, a lot more courage and a lot more like confidence to be able to, you know, de-escalate that. I felt that I had answered a lot of questions about myself in that situation. And I felt that I had answered a lot of like my fears, you know, cause everybody, before you're in that situation, and I had a similar situation back when I was in high school, and I handled it a lot differently. But everybody has that, you know, what would I do if I was actually in an altercation like this? You know, what would I do if I were actually in, you know, like a life or death situation? And it was, and it was weird because it never made me question my morality. It never made me question, you know, like, oh my God, I could die tomorrow. It never made me think about, you know, anything that people normally like rack their brains about for weeks. You know, I, I don't know. It made me think I was crazy for a while. I'm not going to lie. I really did. I had to, I had to talk to a counselor because I thought I was a freaking psychopath because I was happy about it. You know, I was happy about the altercation. I, you know, I've always been an adrenaline junkie. It's like, I like pushing shit to the edge. I like, 
you know, taking chances that, you know, most likely will not pay off. And, you know, I, I don't know, I feel like that, these situations, these three situations answered a lot of questions that I had about myself, about how will I react, about am I the person that I think I am, am I, you know, am I confident enough to, to stand up for myself, you know, realistically, am I, you know, am I grounded enough to know when I have a problem, and am I, you know, am I, am I able to handle, you know, when stuff comes at me? Because those, you know, those are really, really weighing on me ever since I had my daughter. Because, you know, I was, I was not the person I am today when I was in high school. I was a little fucking nerd, you know? I was, I was a loser. I had no ambitions to do anything. I had no confidence. I had no, no will to do anything. I just kind of floated by and if, you know, something landed at my feet, you know, I might pick it up, maybe. Might think about it for a while. Or I'll just, you know, take advantage of it and squander it away. But then I, you know, I grew up I started finding out that, you know, stuff had meaning. So I, you know, I started paying attention to more things. I started actually, you know, admitting that I was weak and making myself stronger, you know. The first time I went to the gym, I was 22 years old. I was 110 pounds and I was, you know, 5'11", 5'10". It was crazy. My first, you know, my first goal that I set for myself was bench pressing the bar 10 times, 45 pounds, 10 times. And, you know, when I did that, I knew that, and it sounds stupid, I knew that I could do anything, you know, with the right amount of time or with the right amount of you know, motivation or whatever you call it, it's like, I, I didn't think I could do that. Especially the first day that I tried. You know, it was, it was retarded how weak I was. You know, and I didn't, I didn't really give any thought to who I was or what I was or how I thought or, you know, what my, what my train of thought was throughout the day or, you know, do I have any principles? Do I have any morals? And when I started realizing that I didn't, that, you know, everything that I had meant nothing because it was built on sand. It's, it, it, it messed me up for years and then I started finding my own morals you know I started realizing that I'm not I'm not supposed to live to make everybody else happy you know 
I'm not supposed to take care of everybody else before I take care of myself. You know, a lot of people say that's selfish, but realistically, if I don't take care of myself today, I might not be here tomorrow to help somebody else out, you know? So if I'm, if I'm struggling and I'm drowning, I cannot help you swim. So yes, I firmly believe take care of yourself before you take care of anybody else. Make sure you are in a positive spot. Make sure you are in a solid state of mind. Make sure you are well fed. Make sure you are physically fit. You know? It, that can't be stated enough. Because there's so many people today, you know, inside the heathen community, inside of, you know, even, I'm, I like camping, I like stuff like that. So, like, even inside, like, the, uh, the, the survivalist community, everybody's got all of this gear. Everybody's got, you know, this $5,000 backpack, this $6,000 knife, this, you know, $500, you know, freaking these little life straws you know they've got all this gear they've got all of these equipment they've got you know they've got a, a backpack that's got you know hundreds of pounds of useful equipment that they're going to use every single day you know if anything goes wrong you know I'm going to survive because I've got you know a thousand pounds of gear that I'm going to haul everywhere I go and you know he's never he's never got out of bed He's got to have somebody, you know, bring him his food because he'd break his knees to, you know, try and walk. Like, you've got, you've got a common, you know, a common guy could be 300 pounds, you know, 400 pounds. He gets winded walking up a flight of stairs, you know. And I guess not, like, you're not doing anybody any good. You're not even doing yourself any good. You can't take care of yourself. Like, you can't take care of anybody else around you. You can't, you can't handle a situation where, you know, you're going to have to walk 10 feet. Like, what makes you think you're even going to be able to use your gear? What makes you think you're going to live long enough? All you're doing is, you know, you're just buying your time until you run out of breath and eventually you just got to sit down and die. Like... I don't know. I know I'm not perfect, and I know that I'm not, you know, the bastion of what what is good in the world. So, all I say is what I see, and I see a lot of people that have this false confidence today, this false narrative of who they are, and I mean, that's me included, you know, you, you never really get an outside perspective of your own life. And that's why I'm super thankful that I have the wife that I have because, you know, she keeps me in check. You know, I have problems like anybody else and my wife has no problem, you know, bringing it up in a respectful way and saying, hey, you know, you need to take care of yourself. Hey, you know what? You're slipping. Hey, we need this. This has to be taken care of, you know? And, and I love that. That's what I've always wanted. I want someone who isn't going to baby me and coddle me and tell me everything's fine and the world's burning around me. You know, I'd rather someone say, hey, go get a bucket of water. Be useful. You know, fix your shit. Worry about your shit on your own time. We've got, you know, we've got problems to take care of. The, the only people who are scared of criticism are weak. 100%. You're weak. And that's the only reason you don't like criticism is because you don't want to do anything to fix it. I feel like that's what 
that's what that's what happens when you get shit thrown in your path you know that's the god saying hey you have tried to tell you i've told you nicely right told you nicely you didn't listen now you're grounded now you got to smack that ass now you got to take care of yourself now you got to figure out on your own rather than being fucking you know gently guided you know rather than being gently told which i don't think most of the gods are fucking gentle regardless but rather than just being you know weaned in the right direction it's hey man you you need that ass smacked here you go fucking figure it out pick yourself up and move on right it's hey you know what you're not you're not taking care of yourself in this area i'm gonna make sure that you know it hey you need to grow in this area here's how you do that hey you need more confidence in this area here's how you do that and you know what I I stand at my altar many times. I say, you know what, Odin? I don't I don't feel like I'm worth a shit today. Right? I don't feel like anything that I do fucking matters. I don't feel like you know, like like I'm needed. I don't feel needed right now. You know, and, you know, some of those days, most of those days, you know, I get, I get reassured because everybody needs reassurance. Don't fucking lie to yourself and tell you you don't. Everybody needs a little bit of reassurance every once in a while when, you know, when shit's looking dark. And, you know, there are days like, you know what, I'm not, I'm not feeling solid. You know, this this scares me, you know, I had, I had that conversation in my altar, you know, like, why do I have a blood aversion? Why does, is this, you know, my downfall? It's like, I, it's like, I'm a strong person. I, I genuinely feel that I am a strong person. I genuinely feel that, you know, I, that I can take care of myself. And I, I really do feel like in, you know, in situations where someone needs to be, you know, stuck up to when someone needs to actually be put back in their place, I've never had a problem doing that, you know.